Good morning. Good morning. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, my name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here at Whitewater. Um, uh, I was, uh, I don't know if you guys knew, a couple months ago I was supposed to teach, and then I had the stomach bug, and so I was not here. Uh, this week I was afraid I might get that again, and I knew if that happened you would not believe me that I was really sick. So I did everything I could to be met up and ready to go that... Um, so that way you would actually believe me, and I did show up today. Um, so today, uh, if you guys know, in the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about relationships. Uh, so today, um, what I was thinking about is, I think when it comes to relationships, um, they're our greatest source of joy as well. They can become our greatest source of irritation. And I think this has been a story all my life um, about... Uh, eight years ago, I used to actually work at a call center. If you know anything about call centers, when uh, you need help, you're all excited to talk to the wait 20 minutes to talk to them on the phone. Um, you get the joy of telling them how wonderful the day is, thanking them for being so courteous, um, and that they are ready to help all of your problems and needs after you've been waiting. So um, that was my job, and I had this uh, particular lady who called in, um, very irritated, very upset that uh, her TV would not get a picture. And I was determined that, you know what, I can help this lady get a picture. So I asked her, hey, can you uh, change the channel three? She's like, I changed channel three, it doesn't do anything. I'm like, hit hit channel five. She hits channel five, nothing. And I was like, okay, well, maybe we need to scan for channels. Um, this is an older TV, so you know, you have to scan for things. So she hits this, she's, she's going to the menu, she's hitting the settings button, nothing. She said, it's making a loud noise when I hit buttons, but um, it's not getting me a picture. Uh, she couldn't. She didn't have the remote, so the whole time, over and over again, I'm trying to um, not lose my patience. I'm trying to take a deep breath as she's saying, I'm not seeing your buttons. I'm not seeing what you're explaining to me. I'm like, every TV has a channel scan or an auto or where it says cable. It has to be there. And then after a while, I decided, what do you see on your um, TV? And she says, I see the word popcorn and I see the word defrost. Oh, ma'am, that's a microwave. It is not a TV. And I just, I just imagine set up in their living room, this lovely microwave, trying to get a picture. And, and that story could have gone in any direction, depending how I responded. Um, I, I was so irritated that I, I spent 20 minutes trying to help this person. And it was a microwave. <laughs> Um, I think a lot of times uh, when we get uh, irritated or um, people offend us, the knee-jerk response is to offend them back or to, uh, or to defend ourselves. Um, have you guys ever dealt with someone who's difficult? I sure have. Um, now, God has created us for relationships. That's the thing. Relationship with himself and relationship with others. Uh, Luke uh, ten twenty seven says, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself." Jesus said, "When you when you boil down life, it comes to two basic things: uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and the second is love each other. Love God, have a relationship with Him, and then He says, get along with other people." Jesus said, "Loving God and loving people is the essence of life." That's why God has given us marriage. That's why God has given us uh, children, grandkids. That's why God has given us friends. 
it's why the average teenager right now sends 3,339 texts a month. That's almost, that's over 100 texts a day. It's why Facebook is the number one uh, site on the internet. It's because people want to connect. So think of it this way. If you could eat at the fanciest of restaurants, if you could live in the nicest house, um, but you had to do it all alone, it would be meaningless. I'd rather go to Seattle on vacation with my wife than just be in a secluded island alone. The pro- but there, there's a problem. Um, it's people. And they can irritate us. And the Bible says it's because of sin. So we say and we do things that can hurt people. We sin. The Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of the God's glory. Uh, Romans 3.23. So, but here's the, here's the big difference. All of us sin, but not all of us are willing to admit it or work on changing. Some people have no interest on being honest in their sin or trying to work on it. You may have a parent, a coworker, a sibling who has a destructive or dysfunctional pattern. Or they just don't care. They're unwilling to fix it or correct it. So today we're going to be talking about how do I handle difficult people? Here's the thing. I know it's, every, it's everybody else. I know it's not everyone in this church. We can, we're thinking of everyone else outside that's difficult. But it isn't possible that we can also be difficult. Don't look at each other, but it is possible that even ourselves, that we can be difficult towards other people. Is it possible that um, when we're irritated, it's possible that we can do something foolish, that we could uh, try one to do a knee-jerk reaction? Now, we all do foolish things from uh, time to time, usually unintentionally, sometimes intentionally. We would have a lot fewer problems if we were less foolish and more wise. And it starts with wisdom. And wisdom doesn't get rid of our problems, but it definitely minimizes the problems. If you know how to respond wisely to a situation, your problems will be dramatically reduced in life. Nowhere are we more foolish than in our relationships. We foolishly treat people in ways that can be counterproductive. So we're going to look at a passage um, in the Bible um, that talks about wisdom in relationships. It's James 3, verse 13. We're going to start. It says, If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kinds of wisdom. They are things, the, such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For whenever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. First, the Bible teaches us that wisdom is a way of relating. 
It has to do with what you do, not what you think. A lot of people think wisdom is intelligence. Uh, wisdom is smart. Wisdom is education. I think the world is full of educational fools. Think of it this way. You can be a brilliant scientist whose family life is a mess. He may be smart, but he is not wise. Wisdom always has to do with relationships, and it shows up on how we treat others. It's about the life you live, not what's on your lips. Uh, if we go back to um, verse uh, 14 on James, it says, uh, says, the ways we typically relate to people is foolish. We get bitter. We can get angry. We get jealous. We can get ambitious. All those are foolish and don't get you what you need. But those who are peace lovers get seeds of peace and reap harvests of peace. So think of it. Every day we are planting seeds. Every day we are planting seeds. Are we planting seeds of trust? Or are we planting seeds of distrust? Am I planting seeds of anger? Or am I planting seeds of peace? We are planting seeds in every relationship of our lives, every single day. So how do I plant seeds of peace? The answer is, I got to be wise. In any relationship, half the problem is us. It's how we respond. And when we respond incorrectly to difficult people, it can actually make it worse. So number one, wisdom that comes from above is pure. On that verse 17, wisdom that comes from above is pure. Uh, I think the word we use a lot of times today is integrity. The foundation of all good relationships is integrity. And why, is it, why, why are we talking about that first? It's because wisdom, it starts in the heart. It does not start in our heads. All relationships are built on trust. No trust, no relationship. All trust is built on truth. If I don't have truth, I don't have trust, I don't have a relationship. If a guy is lying to his wife all the time, he may be in an arrangement, but he doesn't have a relationship. Honesty is the bedrock of all relationships. If you're just lying to the people in your life, you don't have a relationship. And we, we can lie to ourselves all the time. We have an amazing ability to convince ourselves of things that aren't true and convince ourselves that they are. The Bible says the heart is deceitful. That means we have an amazing ability at times to con ourselves. Ephesians 4.25 Therefore, put it, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. If you want your relationship to get better, if you want to be wise in relationships, I will not compromise my integrity. I won't lie to you. I'll tell you the truth because trust is built on truth. No trust, no truth, no relationship. Uh, Proverbs 2, 7, he stores up success for the upright. He is a shield for those who live with integrity. My friends, we we need a shield in our lives when we are dealing with difficult people. There are people who are trying to mess up our lives all the time. And God says, I'll be the shield in your life. But, he says, you have to walk with integrity. 
Uh, number two, wisdom is peace-loving. Wisdom is peace-loving. Wise people are peacemakers, not troublemakers. Wise people don't carry a chip on their shoulders. Wise people are always not looking for a fight. If we love a good fight, it is not wise. The Bible says wisdom is peace-loving. Fools love to fight. Just go on the internet. How many of you have ever cringed at anything your friends or family have posted on Facebook? And you know, that, and, and sometimes it's so hard not to, you know the best thing to do is not comment back or, or explain your view or what you're thinking. It does not help. It's foolish. Foolish people love to fight. They love to argue. I think some people get into politics just because they love a good fight. It's not smart. It's dumb. It's foolish. Don't, don't fight people. If I want to be wise, I won't antagonize your anger. I don't push your hot buttons intentionally. I don't egg you on. Now, the fact is, if you've been around anyone for any length of time, you know what their hot buttons are. You know that red button that if you push it, boom, there's going to be an argument. <clears throat> when we get into argument, it is so hard. When someone hurts us, when, when, they, when they offend us, when, when I'm slighted in any way, it, is, it can be hard for us at times to say, like, you know, I'm just going to pull out the big guns. I'm going to bring this up. I'm going to push that button. The Bible says it's dumb. We are not getting any closer to a resolution. We are not helping the relationship. In fact, we're hurting it. <coughs> Sorry, guys. <coughs> Proverbs 23. Honor belongs to the person who ends a dispute. But any fool can get himself into a quarrel. So let me give you guys some tools. Tools of things we should not use. If you do these things, we will antagonize anger. Number one, <clears throat> if you do this, you're going to antagonize anger. Comparing. We are going to antagonize somebody's anger when we start comparing them to somebody else. It always makes us mad. Have you ever heard of this? Why can't you be like so-and-so? Oh, or you're just like your mother. Oh, that's really helpful. Boom. Or you're just like your dad. Comparing people is going to antagonize anger. <coughs> Second Corinthians ten twelve. <coughs> For we don't dare classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. But in measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves to themselves, they lack understanding. It's foolish. It's not wise. Never compare your wife, your husband, your kids, your yard, your boss, anybody else, because everyone is unique. Comparing someone is going to antagonize anger. <coughs> Uh, second thing, uh, condemning. Condemning someone, that's going to antagonize anger. When I start laying down the guilt in a relationship, when you start to make someone feel guilty, like you should be ashamed, um, you get the exact opposite of what you expect. It's foolish. I think most of us here, at times, we are constantly battling our consciousness. 
Uh, There's times that we feel guilty, we feel ashamed, we don't feel good enough, we feel unworthy at times. Um, Whenever I decide to be someone else's consciousness, guess who they're now battling? They're not battling themselves, they're turning that on us. And we don't, I don't want that. I don't, I don't want to be someone else's consciousness. We are not to be somebody else's God. Don't try to be someone else's consciousness. You should, you never, you must. You always, all the time we use those words, it's foolish. Proverbs 14, 29. A patient person shows great understanding, but a quick-tempered one promotes foolishness. Have you ever said or done anything stupid out of anger? Yes. When we get angry, our intelligence can completely fly out the window. We get angry, we can say things are stupid, things that can be self-defeating. Um, so here's, here's, something, here's something I've learned. Um, it has helped me in many, many conversations with my wife and with other relationships. Um, when I get angry, I, I, I have to take a step back. And this is a question I ask myself. In my current emotional state, can I make a wise decision? So when, when you start getting angry, if you start getting upset, ask yourself, in my current emotional state, can I make a wise decision? And, and I'm sure when you're thinking, you're like, of course I can. I'll do it right now. No, don't. Um, I've done that before. There is one time where my wife said something in my mind. I'm like, I know I do not need to say this. Do not say this, God. If you say this, this will go bad. If you say this, it will go bad. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to say it. And she said, I'll never forget, after I said it, she said, you didn't listen to anything I said. And, it, and um, she walked away. And I knew at that moment. I was like, yep, should have listened to that advice. This, uh, this is very confirming. I, I, so I've tested this, guys. You don't need to try it yourselves. I've tested it. It does not work. Um, when we are angry, we say things we don't mean. So take a step back. Take a step back. If you can't say, uh, walk away or say, hey, can we, can we have this conversation later? Did you know that there's only one letter between anger and danger? It's when we get angry, we are in dangerous territory. You're about to hurt yourself with your own anger. And the Bible says a wise man controls his temper because he knows anger causes mistakes. If I'm wise... I don't compromise in my integrity, and I'm peace-loving. And this is number three. Wisdom is gentle at all times. It's gentle. Uh, the Living Bible uses the word that wisdom, it's courteous. The NIV says it's considerate. If I'm going to be wise, I'm always going to be considerate. Philippians 4, 5. Let everyone see... That you are considerate in all that you do. If I'm wise, I'm going to be considerate. Does that mean I have to be considerate to rude people? Yes. You mean that they can be inconsiderate to me and I need to be considerate back? Yes. If I'm rude back, that's not smart. I'm foolish. You mean I can't get back? I can't get even? I can't get at their level? Not if you want to be smart. You mean I can't call them names, the names they're calling me? No. If I'm wise, I need to be considerate. And why? Because I think 
being considerate is the antidote to two most common mistakes we make in relationships. Here's the first mistake we make. And, and my friends, this is, this is me preaching to the choir. I have made this mistake more times than, than I, I'm, I'm proud of. Uh, we react to what people say and we ignore how people feel. We pay too much attention to the words and not enough attentions to their emotions. The words don't really matter. People say stuff when they're angry they don't mean. They use words they don't intend to use. When we get angry, we can exaggerate. We need to look behind the words and look at the emotion. If if we are wise in our relationship, we're going to stop focusing on what either our kids, our boyfriend, our girlfriend, our spouse, our boss says that ticks me off. And I'm going to start looking behind and go, what is the emotion that they are feeling? Why are they feeling that emotion? Being considerate means that I'm going to be mindful of someone's feelings. Not the words, but the feelings. I'm going to, I'm, even when someone is blasting away at me, I need to, I need to look beyond and say, think, what would cause them to feel that way? I have to let the words roll right past me. What would cause them to be that uptight? What would cause them to be so rude? What would cause them to be that irritated? Um, if you get, and if you were here last week, uh, George said something I thought was critical. He said, hurt people hurt people. Unkind people, those people are the ones who need our kindness the most. They need massive doses of kindness. When people are rude, when they're un- unkind, they're screaming to the world, I'm in pain! People who are, are not in pain, they're kind. People who are always in pain are unkind, they're rude. Hurt people hurt people. We gotta look beyond the words and look at the feelings. Uh, Romans 15.2 We must bear the burden of being considerate of the doubts and fear of others. Of those who feel these things are wrong. Let's please the other fellow, not ourselves, and do what is right for his good. And thus, build him up in the Lord. So the other mistake we make is we invalidate any feelings we don't have ourselves. Well, I don't feel that way. You shouldn't. We dismiss it. Have you guys ever played this game at home? Um, it's I call it the thermostat game. Um, you know, uh, my wife would go, you know, it's hot in here. I'm like, no, it's not. It's not hot in here. She's like, uh, yes, Scott, it, it's, it's pretty hot in here. I'm like, actually, I'm freezing. It's not hot in here. Um, and we, you can start arguing. Is it possible that someone can be cold and another person can be hot at the same time? Yes. My friends, uh, so about five years ago when, when, uh, when I moved here from Arizona, I'm packing the last stuff up in the moving truck. It was 115 outside in Arizona. It's, it's June. It's 115. Two days later, I'm driving the moving truck up here. I hit Washington, and it's 55 degrees outside. I have the heater on full blast. I come to Whitewater Church. I'm wearing a parka. You guys are in shorts. Um, it was it was so bad. Um, I, I find this so entertaining. So I'm I'm sorry. Um, so two two weeks later, I'm, I'm watching the local news, and they say it's going to be a scorcher in Washington today of 80 degrees, and it shows people going to the hospital for heat exhaustion. Well, heat exhaustion, <laughs> 80 degrees is a nice day. <laughs> 
now I've been here five years. I'm like, oh, that 80 degrees. I don't know. Um, we can, we can, uh, when we invalidate other people's feelings, um, because we don't feel it, it it's going to minimize that person. If your girlfriend or if your wife says, I feel ugly, we don't dismiss and say, you're not ugly. That doesn't help at all. Oh, well, I guess I'm pretty now. Thank you so much. I feel so much better about my self-esteem. It's not going to help. We got to ask, why would you feel that way? Why would you say that? Because we need to be able to look beyond the words of why they would say that. Obviously, she's not ugly. But for us to say, you're not ugly, that's not helpful. We need to go, why would they say that? And when we do that, we're getting to the, the real issue. Have you ever heard of this? Someone say, I'm afraid. Well, don't be. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate your moral support. I'm not afraid anymore because you told me I don't need to be. When we do that, we are, we are no longer helping, helping them. Uh, we're just minimizing the, their problems. Um, here's another one I see. You see somebody crying. You ask them, what's wrong? Nothing. And we say, oh, okay. And we just walk away. Uh, we're minimizing. If someone's crying, I was like, I wonder why they're crying. I wonder what's going on. I wonder why when they're crying and I ask them that they're saying nothing. Obviously, there's a reason why they're upset. And feelings, they're neither right nor they're wrong. They're just there. And my friends, in every conflict, it's, it's an opportunity um, for us, instead of being defensive, to learn something else about that person. In every conflict, it gives us an opportunity to learn something about that person. If it's not a fact, we don't need to argue about it. They're just feelings. And if I feel something, I, don't, I shouldn't have to defend it. If you feel something, you shouldn't have to defend it. We need to be able to say, you know what, I, I hear you. Maybe others feel that way as well. What, what we do is times we try to convince the other person that they're wrong. And we're going to lose that one time and time again. We need to let people feel tired when they feel tired. We need, we need to not talk, try to talk them out of it. We need to let someone feel depressed when they feel depressed and not talk them out of it. We need to let them feel angry. We need to let people feel alone. We need to let people feel scared when they're feeling that way. Friends offer kind words, not remedies. Here's the last thing. Don't play psychologist. Unless you're a psychologist, more power to you in here. But if not, don't say, you know, the reason you feel this way was when you were a child, your father, boom, that's not going to go well. Do not play psychologist. I've tried it. It does not go well. Um, Unless you are one, that's fine. But if not, it's not going to go well. Half the time, I can't even figure out the way I feel. How am I going to know how they feel? You don't know why you feel the way you feel half the time. So let's not try to be a psychologist and try to figure out the way they feel the way they feel. And the moment we start judging somebody else's motives, we're playing God. It's a losing battle. So number four, wisdom is willing to yield to others. Wisdom is willing to yield to others. The wiser you are, the more of a listener you will be, and the more foolish you are, 
the lesser you're willing to listen to others. Proverbs 15, 12. A mocker doesn't love one who corrects him. He will not consult the wise. So while a wise person will receive correction, thanks you for it, and tries to change, the foolish does just the opposite. He or she resents correction, blames you for it, and they can refuse to change. So often, if you are dealing with someone who is foolish, um, the ones who uh, that, that are not willing to listen, no matter how hard you try, they don't change. It can seem hopeless. And... Um, any of us can um, can are, are capable capable of doing foolish things, but what separates a wise person versus a foolish person is going to be the pattern pattern of repetition. I think I think foolish people have well worn paths that they walk over and over and over again. Think of this: he promises not to come home drunk, but he does. She says she won't lose her temper. But she does. A foolish person just repeats themselves. They don't yield to others. They shift blame and then they shoot the messenger. The important thing to see is that when um, that foolish refuse to change their behavior. Some of us have parents that are foolish. Some of us have siblings, classmates. So what do I do with those who won't seek the wise? What do I do to those who aren't willing to yield to others? Well, since a foolish person resents correction, won't listen to advice, we have to find a different strategy on trying to reason with them. So friends, this is, this is so critical for you today. You handle foolish behavior by setting limits and instilling consequences. You have to say things like this. Until you get treatment and get sober... I will not be living here anymore. It's a limit. Or until you can treat my spouse with respect, we are not coming over anymore. Or if you continue to be late to work, we're going to give the account to somebody else and you are going to lose your job. We got to set limits instill consequences so they can feel the pain of their bad behavior. Um, I, I, I love this guy, Henry Cloud. He's a professor. He says, with some people, the only time they, begin, they become open to change is when it begins to cost them something. Now, some of you might be thinking, oh boy, I married a fool. My wife married a fool. For a long time, I was clueless. I thought I knew everything. I was stubborn. You could, you could, you could say I was hopeless. But folks, um, if you're married to a fool, you have to do everything you can to make that marriage work. You have to lay it all out on the field. You might have to get professional help. You may have to separate for a while. The goal in a tough marriage is to find out what's wrong and reconcile Make it happen. The goal is to build your life together for the long haul, which will bless you, will bless your family, and bless those around you. There's too many times that we aren't reconciling our differences. There's too many times that we're just going to break up, and there's never a point where we can come together and, and reconcile. It's so important in our lives. 
So number five is this. The, um, the Bible says wisdom is full of mercy and good deeds. If I'm going to be wise, I'm going to maximize mercy. I'm going to major on mercy in my relationships. It's wise to show grace to those when they mess up. It's wise to show mercy when they blow it, when they sin, when they fail. So the thing is, who's the wisest person in the universe? God. Who's also the most merciful person in the universe? God. Think there's a little connection there? Foolish are judgmental. Wise people are merciful. Anytime I'm being judgmental, I'm being foolish. Anytime I'm being merciful, I'm being like God. That's wise. It's wise to give people the benefit of the doubt. It's wise to be forgiving, to show grace, to show mercy, to cut people some slack. God is cutting me slack all the time. I need to be able to say to do the same for someone else. Everything we have in life is a sheer gift of God. I wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't for the mercy of God. Uh, God doesn't give me what I deserve. He gives me what I need. If I got what I deserve, I wouldn't be standing here. If you got what you deserve, you wouldn't be here. God doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us what we need, and that's mercy. And the Bible says that's wise. Wise people give people what they need, and that's mercy and wisdom. Proverbs 17.9 Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Think of the person you're the most closest to in your life. And even though you love them, there are some things they do that really bug you. I mean, really bug you. You know those things, things you know what we should do with them? Let it go. Let it go. It's foolish to hold on to them. There are so many things you love about that person. Let it go. Wisdom is full of mercy. Uh, just, just this week, my wife decided to give me mercy. We went to the movies, and apparently my jacket is loud and irritating. Um, apparently, we were watching the movie called The Quiet Place. Oh, unfortunately, it's a quiet movie. And apparently, I'm shifting too much, and my jacket is loud. It is irritating. She let me know kindly several times, your jacket is loud. Now she could hold on to that, file it away three months later. Well, you're noisy at the movie theaters. Or she can let it go. <laughs> let it go. I th- she's here. I think she let it go. We haven't talked about it. <laughs> Friends, as your pastor who loves you, if we don't wise up, if we don't learn godly wisdom, we're going to make the same relational mistakes over and over and over our entire lives. And we're not going to get what we want out of that relationship. An intimate, soul-satisfying, the kind that God has intended for us. God, full of uh, wisdom and mercy, sent his son to die on the cross for us to be able to have eternal life. And today might be the day that you might need to receive his mercy, receive his forgiveness. And here's just something to think about. The longer I know someone, the harder it is to show mercy. The longer someone has hurt us who has lived foolishly, the longer I've experienced their bad habits, the harder it can be to show mercy. Well, that's the thing about God. He knows our past. 
He knows our current foolishness. He knows our future. Yet, He chose to show us mercy. The wisdom of God is mercy. Mercy for me. Mercy for you. Mercy for this world. If God shows us mercy, will you and I learn to show mercy towards others? Let's pray. Father, I just I thank you so much for your word and thank you that you have been merciful to us. Lord, um, would you be with us in our relationships? Uh, perhaps some of us need to have those conversations today, Lord. Um, would we use the tools you give us in our word um, to be able to help us um, handle um, situations wisely with wisdom? Help us um, be able to reconcile those that we need to reconcile and grow where we need to grow, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.